It's February 15th, 2024, and Scott is offended by my dad's golfing. Me too. Me too. This is Offended, presented by the Anything But Credible Network and Cabas Clothing. your host tricky and we're back offended is back and it's back in a different way uh what we're going to try to do here we're going to try to do this as a daily format we're going to try to keep up with current events if there's not a whole lot going on for the day may not have the may not have a new episode that next day or we might just do this every other day i don't don't know yet but i'm going to try something different rediscovered my love for creativity again recently and just want to do this again i, I missed i kind of missed doing the podcast so the podcast is back we're going to try to do this daily we are going to try to cover current events along with pop culture uh sports occasional wrestling this is not going to be just a pure wrestling based podcast though i need to say that right away so people don't think that this is going to be a wrestling show uh on thursdays like today you might get some wrestling because aew dynamite was on wednesday night Thursdays we might talk a little wrestling, but I'll save that for the end so that we can hear everything else if you're not a fan of wrestling, even though wrestling's fucking cool and you should just watch it. Um, with that being said, I think we should get started. Unfortunately, for the first episode and keeping up with current events, I do want to discuss what happened in Kansas City today, and it's an absolute fucking joke that it has to happen but there was a shooting at the end of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Super Bowl parade today. It's just, it's insane. It's like, how many more fucking times do we have to do this? How many more times is this going to be a thing before something changes, before something gets done? It's an absolute joke. Here's what we know so far. At the end of the Kansas City Chiefs victory parade today, uh, shots were fired near Union Station. At least 10 people were shot, unfortunately. One person is dead. Uh, three people were listed in critical condition, five have serious injuries, and one has non-life-threatening injuries. Two people are in custody at this time. I mean, it's just... Thoughts go out to all those infected, all those affected, but it's like, how many more fucking times is this going to happen? This is a complete, a complete and utter fucking joke that this keeps happening. I wish I had, there was something else to say, but it's like, how many more times are we going to see this before something changes? I just don't get it, and I wish that there was something that could be done. Um, other than that, Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl this past week, as everybody knows. I mean, it's clearly the most watched Super Bowl of all time. Not even just the most watched Super Bowl. It's the most watched thing on television history. That's insane in itself. But it just gets overshadowed by stupid fucking idiotic behavior like this. And it's unacceptable and it needs the fucking end. For the love of God, it needs the fucking end. Uh, moving forward with the show. I'm going to try to keep this... I'm going to try to keep politics out of this as much as possible. That was the original goal of Offended, was to never talk about politics or anything like that. And I think along the way, we just... You know, it just comes up. It just comes up. Especially the older you get, the more you understand about current events and like what is going on in the world it's fucking crazy, but we want the show to be an escape from the real world. But I felt unjust to not talk about Kansas City today because I think that is absolutely crazy, absolute bullshit. 
into what we're actually going to be doing with the show moving forward. Uh, I'm going to try to do a song of the day for every episode. Um, just like how we used to do on the old offended podcast, we used to do songs of the week. We're going to try to do song of the day. And today's song of the day is by military gun and it's called do it faster. I've waited long enough. The place to Military Gun, do it faster. It's out now on all streaming platforms. If you want to find it on Spotify, Apple Music, it's all there. It's a great song. You probably heard it on a Taco Bell commercial. If you've played the new NHL video game, it is on that as well. It's a great song. Check it out. Military Gun, do it faster. All right. First topic of the day. We're going to go to Warner Brothers. And what the fuck are they doing with Coyote versus Acme? So Warner Brothers used to be, in my opinion, the best movie studio around. I thought for the longest time they made great films and they made movies that just transcended pop culture. You had Space Jam, you had The Matrix, The Dark Knight, um, and as of last year, you now have Barbie. Aside from Barbie, I feel like Warner Brothers has been shitting the bed with movies and films that they put out. Um, I don't feel, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I feel like the overall production of their films have not been up to par to what, for what they used to put out. And I also feel like that Warner brothers just has this, their CGI is just, it looks so cartoonish and it looks so bad. And I don't, I don't understand like what has happened with CGI in general in the film industry. I don't know if Marvel just kind of came along and was kind of like, look, we can do it. We can make it look like a comic book and you people will still come and see it because we can now make it cheaper. Everything is filmed in front of a green screen. Now everything is filmed in front of a blue screen. Now there's no more like on site locations. And that was one of the things that director Christopher Nolan got angry about was kind of how people, people don't use practical effects anymore. Filmmakers don't use practical effects anymore. And on top of that, Warner Brothers was the one during COVID that just put every single movie out on HBO Max, which I know a lot of people love, but at the end of the day, there's no way that's a profitable way to run a film studio. You're telling me that you're going to have this new subscription for 10 bucks a month while these movies take hundreds of millions of dollars to make. There's no way you're going to turn a profit back on that. It just doesn't make sense. And movies... In my opinion, blockbuster movies are meant to be seen on the big screen at movie theaters. Look at this past summer. You look at Barbie and Oppenheimer. It took over the pop culture world. It was one of the biggest things, and it felt great. It felt big again. We haven't had a blockbuster summer like that in so long. Sure, I mean, you had like your Marvel movies, but those were like Marvel movies are going to be Marvel movies. They're always going to be a big thing, but you didn't have original movies coming out that were that grabbed your attention and you just wanted to go to the theater to see it. Barbie and Oppenheimer accomplished that this past year. Christopher Nolan left Warner brothers after making tenant because he did not want his movie to go straight to HBO max. He thought it was disgrace to the filmmakers. And he also said 
basically exactly what I said, just in a more <laughs> in a more intelligent way that you're ruining these filmmakers' careers. You're ruining it. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because today the new Godzilla versus King Kong, I think it's called a new empire, uh, the trailer came out today. And it looks like dog shit. It does not look good. And I don't understand how these movies get made when you have a Godzilla movie, uh, Godzilla Minus One, the Japanese movie that came out back in December that got made, I think, by for like $12 million or something like that. And the CGI in the movie looks fantastic. It has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 98% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes as well. This movie is critically acclaimed and loved. But yet Warner Brothers keeps going in this weird like money grab way of making films. And it just doesn't make sense. Watch the trailer for yourself. It looks awful. The CGI looks terrible. And they made it like a buddy. It almost looks like a buddy cop movie with Godzilla and King Kong. It's so fucking weird. I don't get it. Especially when you go from a few years ago when that first Godzilla remake came out. Fantastic film. A fantastic film. Uh, it's like a very serious, a very dark, ominous movie. Uh, features Brian Cranston. Uh, I think his name is Aaron Johnson Taylor, uh, the guy from Bullet Train. I think he's in talks to be the next James Bond even. Uh, he's fantastic fantastic in it. It's a lot of good actors in that movie. And it's a very serious Godzilla movie. They did a very good job of remaking that and bringing it back. Then the sequels came out, and the sequels just kind of... They move away from like that dark tone, and they kind of make it more cartoonish again. And as this is like falls along the lines of what I'm talking about with Warner Brothers, and how they just kind of... It almost feels like they don't try with their movies anymore. They just have the money to make this movie because they have access to all these IPs. Uh, and it just... They look, They come out to be trash. They come out to be terrible. You go back to the COVID year when they put out all these movies that went straight to max. You had a Tom and Jerry movie. If done correctly, that movie would have been great. If All they had to do was make it like the old cartoon. That's all they literally had to do. Make it a 90-minute chase scene. That's literally it. That's all people who watch Tom and Jerry. That's what we want out of Tom and Jerry. We don't give a fuck about the real life, like the real human beings that are in it. It it blows my mind. Tom and Jerry was basically a movie about a human struggling with her job, and Tom and Jerry were just side characters. In that same year, the second Space Jam came out. The concept of that movie was brilliant. The execution was terrible. You go through all these different Warner Brothers owned like themes. You go through like Harry Potter. You go through Batman. You go through um, just anything owned by Warner Brothers. They all go through all these universes and they bring them together for like this big basketball game. And if the Toon Squad loses, they lose that entire library. It's a cool concept. You have like the mask was like in it. But instead of paying the actors that played these characters, like say Ben Affleck as Batman or even George Clooney as Batman, you could have gotten you could have gotten anybody as Batman at that point who has previously played Batman to just pop up for a second in that movie, or Jim Carrey as the Mask. Um, instead, you have people that literally look like they just got a costume from Johnny Brock's playing these characters that are on like that are in the crowd. It's the weirdest fucking thing, and it just looks so half-assed. Then you go to the Matrix. I personally was a fan of the fourth Matrix. I thought it was okay, but a lot of people hate that movie. I think I just enjoyed it because the Matrix is one of my favorite films, and it was just cool to see it back. I haven't watched it recently. My mind will probably change. Um, 
But what I'm trying to get at is that they just have become lazy. They, their storytelling is lazy, and there's just nothing nothing of intrigue. And then you go into the DC side of everything, which is owned by Warner Brothers, and those movies have been trash. It's been trash. Aside from the Batman with Robert Pattinson, all the other movies, the Zack Snyder universe is trash. I don't understand why some people want that universe brought back. It's just, it's not good. Um, the main thing that reached that, um, the main thing that really reaches out to me is that there was a movie that has been completed and awaiting its release. It doesn't even have a release date. It's called Coyote versus Acme. This is supposed to be kind of like a Space Jam type thing where it mixes animation with real-life human beings. The movie stars Will Forte as Wile E. Coyote's lawyer and John Cena as Acme's lawyer. And the whole premise of the movie is Wile E. Coyote suing Acme for all the times that he's gotten hurt, like in the old cartoons. It's a great premise. It's a great premise. And then all the filmmakers and the cast, the people that were in that movie said the movie is actually hilarious. The movie was originally slated to come out July 21st, 2023. Instead, it got removed off the calendar for Barbie. Barbie ended up coming out on that day. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, so when was the next release date? The thing is, on November 9th, 2023, Warner Brothers officials announced that the film was completed, but they would not release it because Warner Brothers Discovery preferred to claim a tax loss for about $30 million. Are you fucking kidding me? So all this hard work that these filmmakers put in, that these animators put in, that the writers put in, was all for nothing. They're not going to see a dime of that money. They're not going to see their movie get released. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, they were talking about taking bids from like Netflix, Amazon. All these other film studios were bidding to buy this movie because they saw promise in this movie. And they knew how much... It's, there's so much publicity surrounding this movie now. It's, Warner Brothers is stupid not to release it because it's going to make a shitload of money now because everybody wants to see this film now. Uh, on February 9th, 2024, the rap reported that Warner Brothers Discovery has rejected bids from Netflix, Amazon, and Paramount. The company wants 75 to $80 million to sell the film, but no distributors matched their price, and Warner Brothers Discovery rejected counter bids. Fucking insane. Uh, the company is actually considering shelving and deleting the film entirely from its library. And again, it would claim it as a tax loss. That's bullshit. That is total bullshit and such a slap in the face to all the great filmmakers that worked so hard on that film. That's bullshit. Warner Brothers, get your fucking shit together and put AEW on Max, please, because I really wanted that on Max. All right, that's enough Warner Brothers talk. Um, positive note, <clears throat> excuse me, on a positive note, Marvel announced the casting for Fantastic Four today, and holy shit, it sounds awesome. We haven't seen a good Fantastic Four movie yet, and the casting of this film looks promising as fuck. Uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, Joseph Quinn, Eben Moss Backrack, and Vanessa Kirby are your Fantastic Four. I mean, that casting is great. I mean, you just got Pedro Pascal. You know him. Pedro Pascal is phenomenal. Joseph Quinn, you, he's Eddie in Stranger Things. That's phenomenal. Eben Moss Backrack, 
He plays Richie in The Bear. He is phenomenal in that show. Just won an Emmy for that. And Vanessa Kirby, you may have seen her in the last few uh, Mission Impossible movies. I think she was in Hobbs and Shaw as well. Phenomenal English actor or actress, excuse me. Um, this movie has potential to be one of the best Marvel movies ever made. Just on the casting alone. The casting alone is, that's top notch. I cannot say enough great things about that. I am overly excited for this movie. That movie cannot get here soon enough. Phenomenal casting. So the other night I watched a movie called Bo is Afraid. It's an A24 movie directed by Ari Aster. Uh, he directed Hereditary and Midsommar, uh, two, fan- two fantastic movies. Bo is Afraid is a fucking bad mushroom trip. Holy shit. That is one of the strangest, but overall, really good. It's a really good movie, but it's one of the strangest movies I've ever watched in my life. Here is my letterboxed review of Bo is Afraid. Have you ever taken mushrooms and then thought to yourself, these are duds? Maybe I should eat more. And then you eat more, quickly realizing that they weren't duds at all. Then immediate fear kicks in because you just ate more and you full well know that the trip is about to be a bad one because you ate too much. Then fear and everything you have anxiety about just comes front and center of your brain and you know, you know, you're not going to be able to escape it for the next several hours. Yeah, that's what this film is. It's exactly that. The over-fixation on shit you cannot control. The constant worry, the constant depression. Thinking about everything bad that could happen, you feel trapped and lost in your own brain. This film hits anxiety and depression perfectly. I thought this film was fantastic and the cinematography and acting was outstanding. The surreal journey that Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix take you on is a troubling and for most of the film extremely unsettling. The pacing of the film reminds me of a mix of Mother and A Clockwork Orange. I don't know if I can watch it again, but if I do, I'm going to take shrooms. And that was my letterbox review of Bo is Afraid. And if you want to watch it, it is on Paramount+, Plus, but I highly, highly, highly recommend that you watch this movie with a clear state with a very clear state of mind because it is a trip of a movie. Now, before we get into the dynamite review, uh, what's on tap for today, Thursday night is the blues take on McJesus and the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers are coming off an eight to four victory with Connor McDavid getting six assists in the game. That's insane. Connor McDavid, six assists in the last game, while the Blues are coming off a 4-1 to one loss against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. But in that game, little Nathan Walker drilling Ryan Reeves into the boards a day after Ryan Reeves said, make hockey violent again, was a sight to behold. I love Nathan Walker. He's a little shithead. That's great. Uh, the Blues are currently sit in the second wild card spot at 58 points with a game in hand over the Nashville Predators who have 56 points who are right behind the Blues for that second wild card spot. Uh, ever since the firing of Craig Berube, I think the Blues have played a lot better hockey. And I hate to say that because I love Craig Berube, but the Blues really do like they look like they have turned their season around. Um. I've been asked, do I think this is a repeat of 2019? No, I do not. Um, the Blues, I just... I don't think they have the talent to take it all the way to the Stanley Cup. That 2019 team, they had the talent. I mean, you look at that roster up and down. You could start with Petrangelo to O'Reilly to Tarasenko to Perron, uh, Jay Bolmeister. It's a phenom- like That's a phenomenal hockey team. And you look back on that and you look at the haters that say, oh, the Blues were just a fluke that year. It's like, no, they fucking weren't. 
they had a top-notch team that year that deserved to win the Stanley Cup in 2019. Uh, but right now, Blues, in my opinion, are mid at best. Uh, they could make the playoffs. Personally, I would rather have them not make the playoffs because it's another strong draft class coming up this year, and I think the Blues are just building up these young players like it's like like nobody else in the NHL right now. You have Dvorsky that looks phenomenal, Snuggerud who looked like a stud in that World Juniors tournament. You have so many other young, talented players that are coming up through the system, and the Blues' future is looking very bright. And I'm talking, they you could be looking at a dynasty. That's how good these young players are in the next few years. But as of right now, it is what it is. We'll talk more Blues hockey on tomorrow's episode, especially review the Edmonton Oilers versus St. Louis Blues hockey game. And right. the final topic of this morning is a review on AEW Dynamite, which emanated from Austin, Texas, and it featured a Texas death match on Valentine's Day. It had Dax Harwood versus John Moxley. Let's get right into it. What an episode of AEW Dynamite that was, starting from Dax Harwood and John Moxley kicking off the show in a great, fantastic wrestling match, ending in John Moxley just going full-blown heel again i love that the bcc um they're they're not like they're not heels they're not faces they're they are the tweeners but they act like heels most of the time which is great and moxley putting that chokehold on dax winning the match that way but not letting go till cash wheeler ran down made the save and claudio castagnoli also jumps in helps moxley brawl ensues with BCC getting the upper hand, the crowd fully behind the BCC, by the way, actually at some part booing when Cash Wheeler ran in the ring to save Dax Harwood. Wild. This crowd was on fire in Austin, Texas tonight. A hot, hot crowd on hand and just a phenomenal wrestling match that we just saw. Then we moved on to Adam Copeland versus Daniel Garcia. What a match that was. That was unbelievable. Ending in a... Not AEW fashion, but ends in a WWE-type ending with the Patriarchy running to the ring and saving, and I, excuse me, with the Patriarchy running to the ring and beating up both Adam Copeland and Daniel Garcia. Um, I was okay with this because this is something AEW doesn't normally do. This is a, I can't even remember the last time that a match ended from a run-in disqualification. I can't uh, remember that. Um it was a fantastic match. I love that it's kind of left open-ended. But what I really liked uh, afterwards was that Christian Cage gave a concerto to Adam Copeland. This allows Daniel Garcia now to wrestle Christian Cage at Revolution for the TNT Championship. That match is going to be great. I cannot wait to see that match. I do think Christian Cage will retain against Daniel Garcia, even though I do believe it is Daniel Garcia's time to hold some championship gold in AEW. Uh, we had Don. We had the Don Callis family backstage talking about uh, what match that Kanosuke Takeshita is going to have at Revolution, and Don Callis said it's going to be a match that the world is going to remember forever, as going as it's going to be one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. As he takes on another member of the Don Callis family in the in the debuting Will Ospreay for AEW. Um, yeah, this match is just going to fucking rule, and I can't believe that's just. This is how they just put it together. It's like, this is Will Ospreay's first match against Kanosuke Takesha. Um, 
I guess it makes a little sense. Doesn't really make sense. Uh, it kind of seems like maybe Will Ospreay's going to come in as a baby face now and maybe leave the Don Callis family after Revolution, or it is just going to be teammate versus teammate, and then it's just going to be a squash beef. But as heels, I don't know. I just don't see it playing out that way, in my opinion. Uh, Wardlow squashes uh, Barrett Brown. It's literally a two-move squash match with Adam Cole in commentary, but he didn't talk until the very end, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, and they keep showing... Uh, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson arriving uh, in their private jet, still wearing the bloodstained suits from last week when they beat the crap out of Sting and Darby Allen um, as they take on top flight later in the show. Uh, then we had the Samoa Joe promo, which then brought out uh, Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam Page. At first, Swerve Strickland came out and said, it's not a personal thing, but if Joe wants to keep running his mouth, he's going to make it personal. Uh, I love Swerve. Swerve is becoming one of the most over wrestlers for AEW. He is arguably one of the best wrestlers AEW has currently right now. I really hope he wins the world title at Revolution. I do think it's Swerve's time. It's Swerve's house. Let's fucking go. But what I love about Hangman coming out here, being a true piece of shit heel, he said that he wasn't mad last week, but last week was horse shit. He is turned in to this almost anxiety-filled heel that is kind of like lost his mind. He's kind of gone crazy. I love it. And I know what we're gearing up towards. We're going to get the Young Bucks and Hangman together again at some point as these super heels. And when Kenny Omega comes back, it leaves the question, is he going to be a super heel along with the rest of the elite? I love this. I love where this is going. I think this is going to take over the story. I think it's going to take over AEW as the story of the summer. Timeless Tony Storm uh, released her new film called Wet Ink. Uh, classic Tony Storm, freaking great. She's, I mean, she is just killing it right now. She is one of the best wrestlers on AEW television, along with Swerve Strickland. I think Tony Storm is number one, actually maybe tied at number one, possibly number two, to Swerve right now. That's how good she is. And then um, afterwards, we got Deanna Perrazzo talking to Renee Paquette about about the whole movie and what they just saw and it is what it is that, but that match is going to be, that match is going to be fantastic at revolution. I'm looking forward to that match. Uh, then next up we have the young bucks versus top flight. Um, excuse me, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson, the EVPs versus top flight in a typical, uh, young bucks top flight form. This match delivers on all fours. Um, it is a phenomenal match. It's a it's another classic in the matches that they've already had against each other. One part I love was when Matthew Jackson said, wow, these kids are good. These kids are good, almost forgetting that the last time that they wrestled, Top Flight beat them. Uh, I think it's great. I love the direction that the Young Bucks are going in. The Young Bucks win with a low blow while, Nick, while Nicholas Jackson had the referee distracted. Phenomenal match, which sets up uh, Tony Schiavone in the ring with the Bucks after the match. Bucks are super, super heel at this point to where they're getting in Tony's face, Tony Schiavone's face, even to the point where Nicholas Jackson knocks Tony Schiavone to the ground with Matt acting like he's going to help him up. But then they look like they might hit the EVP trigger on Tony Schiavone until Darby Allen makes the save to where Darby Allen accepts the challenge from the Young Bucks at Revolution for the AEW World Tag Team Championships along with Sting. It's showtime at Revolution for Sting's last match. 
Then up next, we got the Bang Bang Scissor Gang, baby. They cut a backstage promo with, with uh, Renee Paquette. And I got to tell you, this is... They are a modern-day 90s DX, if I've ever saw one. They are clicking on all cylinders. They look like a legit group. They are going to be a fan favorite for this entire year. And if anything, this is going to make... This Jay White actually reminds me of Triple H from 99 right now. And it's fantastic that Billy Gunn is a part of this again. Billy Gunn gets to relive this now for the second time in his career. That's fucking awesome. Bang, bang, scissor gang to the moon, baby. And finally, or excuse me, not finally, uh, Willow Nightingale defeated Sky Blue in a fantastic women's match with a little help from outside interference from Stokely Hathaway. Looks like Stokely Hathaway is going to continue to manage Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander moving forward, which brings us to the main event, Orange Cassidy versus Matt Taven in a Texas death match. And my God, this match had no right being this good. This was a phenomenal main event. I did not know what I was expecting during this match, especially with Matt Taven and Orange Cassidy in a Texas death match. I kind of thought that was wild. If anything, I thought Moxley and Dax would have had the Texas death match. But man, I am happy that it was Orange Cassidy and Matt Taven they used to brawl all over the place. They go to the stage, cuts back from commercial. Matt Taven's dropping an elbow off the stage through Orange Cassidy through a table. Uh, then it goes in, back into the ring to where there's a table set up on the announcer's table. This is one of the craziest spots I've seen in a while. This spot was phenomenal. Matt Taven launched himself over the top ropes, missing Orange Cassidy. But when he makes impact at that table, it reminds me of Chris Benoit when he did the suicide dive through the table and he smoked the announce table. It reminds me so much of that. Matt Taven just destroys, not just the table that was set up, but I mean destroys the announcer's table, bringing it back to like that old school feel where the announcer's headset gets ripped off. You can hear like the fumbling of the mics. It was pure chaos. It was great. It popped me up out of my seat at my home. Uh, Then we go into the ring where Orange Cassidy has a looks like a box of chocolates and a heart because it's you know it's valentine's day and when he opens up the box it's thumbtacks they do a couple thumbtack spots it's great with then we have a run-in from mike bennett also then saving orange cassidy from mike bennett was trent beretta they get involved orange cassidy comes back with a superman punch with wrapped in the chain to matt taven to finish him off fantastic ending to a great fast-paced highly wrestling filled dynamite it was a great great show the pacing was great i cannot say enough good things about this episode of dynamite it really does feel like aew is getting back to where they once were a couple of years ago it does feel like that they are getting that feeling back and that's great and that's perfect timing with everything else going on in the wrestling world right now it is perfect timing for AEW to catch fire again as we're gearing up on the road to revolution i'm excited i'm excited And that will do it for today here on Offended. Make sure to go check us out on all of our socials at OffendedPod, except for on Facebook. At Facebook, we are now, as of right now, I have not set it up yet, but we are right now the Offended Podcast presented by the Anything But Credible Network and Cabas Clothing on Facebook right now. Um, Yeah, we're back. You saw the immediate release. We are back. The goal is to try to do this daily. Um as I'm doing this tonight, I'm maybe coming to the realization that it might be better to do two to three episodes a week. I think would maybe be easier than this. I definitely want to hit Mondays and I want to hit Thursdays for release 
dates for new episodes. But there will be a new episode tomorrow on Friday, February 16th, uh, as I will review the Blues game. I will talk a little more about Blues hockey, and I'll talk about what's going on around the NHL as well as maybe some other news topics will pop up today, Thursday, February 15th, 2024. I'm Tricky, and this has been the Offended Podcast presented by the Anything But Credible Network and Cobbas Clothing. We will see you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.